Hello and welcome to the To Love, Honor, and Vacuum podcast. I am Sheila Ray Gregoire from the To Love, Honor, and Vacuum blog, where we like to talk about how to make marriage a passionate adventure and not just a giant to-do list. And this week, I have not been thinking about the blog. I have to admit that because we are working literally 12 to 14 hours a day trying to get the manuscript finished for the, our book, The Great Sex Rescue, which is due in at the publisher on Friday. And so it's been quite the last few weeks. We've been super busy. Um, but last Friday, I wrote a post that I didn't really think about that much. I just sat down and wrote it on Friday morning about the gatekeeper phenomenon. And that got so many comments that I thought it might be good to do our podcast on it today. So I brought Rebecca on our podcast. Hello. And I thought that we could summarize kind of what we were talking about there and then explain why we think this is such a big deal because we found this a lot. We've been talking about this in the book, although people have to wait a year to buy our book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it will be out spring of 2021, The Great Sex Rescue. Um, but what one of the things that we found was that when women feel like they have to be the gatekeeper, that can affect how you experience sex when you're married. And and why don't you explain what we mean by gatekeeper? When we talk about gatekeeper, what we're talking about is how one person feels the responsibility to make sure sex doesn't happen when you're dating. Mm-hmm. Right? So we get told as girls growing up in evangelical culture that boys are going to try to push your boundaries. You have to make sure you don't go too far or else he's going to not be able to control himself. So even the best meaning... Even the most well-intentioned guys, when you start making out with them, they get cloudy and hazy and they can't control. So you need to be very careful not to get them past the point of no return. Mm-hmm. This is all throughout blog posts, magazines, and books written for young women. Yeah, and as one commenter put it, and I, I thought this was brilliant, what she was told is that the guy presses the accelerator and the girl presses the brakes. Yeah, and of course there's the obvious concern with this, which is if you're told he can't stop himself, he will always be going, and it's your responsibility to make sure it doesn't happen, then date rape just simply can't exist. Right, because it's your fault. Exactly. That mm-hmm. that means that if you were making out with him and that was consensual and then he started pushing for more, even if you said no, well, you really should have known better. Yeah, because he can't stop. And that's what we've been told. Now, now I want to say too, and, and this is something else that was brought up in the comments, that I don't think this gatekeeper phenomenon is only Christian because no. there is a certain element of it just because of biology. Like women are the ones who tend to get raped. Um, we're the ones who can bear much more of the physical repercussions of sex. Like we're the ones who get pregnant, like all yeah. of that. So, so women, to a certain extent, do need to look out for ourselves yeah. more. And obviously men are victims of sexual assault too. That's not what we're saying. And mm-hmm. there are serious physical ramifications for men as well if sex goes badly or if sex... Yeah, there's, there's lots of stuff that can happen. But for the most part, statistics-wise, sex is going to be more dangerous for women mm-hmm. on average. And so here's what we think happens then. And so you feel like you're supposed to be the gatekeeper and then you're dating some guy and you're making out and instead of enjoying it, and I'm not, we're not trying to make any kind of argument that you should be enjoying making out when you're dating or that you should make out or that you shouldn't. That's not the argument we're trying to make. We're just trying to explain how this phenomenon can play out in yeah. a lot of women's lives. Okay. Um, you know, just even, even to reiterate, I do believe that sex is meant for marriage and not for before we are, I'm hoping we'll talk about that in a podcast next week, but I'm not trying to make a comment on that. I'm just trying to say that this is what a lot of women experience. So they're making out, but instead of instead of enjoying it or giving into the moment, what there's what's going on in their brain constantly is 
okay, am I letting him go too far? Is he getting too into it? Is he breathing too heavy? Should I stop now? Should I stop now? Should I stop now? Should I stop now? <laughs> and if that's what you're used to doing before you're married, that doesn't automatically stop once you are married. Many women have told us in our focus groups or interviews or you know, even in survey responses, in the open-ended questions, that they feel they had to repress their sexuality. Mm-hmm. And the problem is once you repress your sexuality, for some women you get married and it's just this beautiful release. Like, I can let go and I can mm-hmm. enjoy and I can throw myself into this. Mm-hmm. But for other women, they feel stuck. Yeah. And they think, what, what's wrong? Why can't I do this? Why is this still not working? Mm-hmm. And then there's another layer to this. So, so we've got this girl who's been dating, whether she's dated multiple people or just her husband or whatever. Um, and she's always had this gatekeeper role where she can't get too into it. Um, and then she gets married. <laughs> and what happens? She feels like they have to have sex because mm-hmm. they're married now. And so the first time she has sex, she isn't that aroused. Yeah, because here's the thing. Here's the thing that people often talk about, but I think in the wrong way, okay? When people are dating, we talk about how a couple can accidentally have sex, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And by what we mean by that is simply that they didn't go into the encounter expecting to have sex at the end. Right. But it's very rarely by accident. Let's just put it that way, right? It starts with cuddling and you're watching a movie and then you make out and then you start feeling each other up after a couple hours of making out (laughs) then after you've been touching each other for so long you're both your heart you can hear each other's heart beating right kind of both of your hearts are pounding then stuff starts to happen and clothes start coming off and then whoops we had sex accidentally eight hours later right (laughs) right so these these things have a natural progression and we tell people don't do these things when you're dating because you might accidentally have have sex. Yeah, well, what they mean is don't do the first thing while you're dating because you might accidentally do the last thing. Yeah, exactly. And the problem is by saying that we accidentally have it, it makes it sound like it was a 10-minute decision. Right. And so when we get married, we think, okay, well, now I'm going to kiss him and five minutes later, why am I not feeling anything? Because mm-hmm. when you were dating, it would have been like four hours. Mm-hmm. Right? you got to learn how to get yourself there. And learning how to get yourself there, once you know, sure, it can only take five minutes the next time. That's why often when you have accidental sex for the first time, so it takes a long time, but then after that, it's like 20 minutes in, you're like, I want sex now. Yes. Because your body's learned how to do it. Yes. Right? What happens when, as women, the first time we have sex with our husband, it's not a time when we feel like we wanted it. Mm-hmm. You know, what happens when a woman experiences that is we short circuit everything else. Yeah. And when you mean, when you mean it's not a time we wanted it, you don't mean like, oh, like sorry, coercion. I don't mean, no, you just mean your body wasn't saying, take me baby. Exactly. You didn't have that <laughs> hearing each other's hearts pounding kind of, you know, entire body throbbing with desire kind of experience. <laughs> Harlequin, like. Exactly. Yes, like the, the pirate. The ripped bodice. The pirate rips her bodice kind yes. of Harlequin yes. <laughs> experience. Because there, there are these steps, right? Like, like you know, you, 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 first of all, you may hold hands and touch each other. And then, and that, the first time you hold hands, sparks fly. Exactly. Right? And then you start kissing. And then you start prolonged kissing. And then you start, you know, your hands start exploring. And then maybe they go under the clothes. And then the clothes come off. And then you learn how to arouse each other. And even bring each other to orgasm. And then there's intercourse. And now, again, I am making no comment that any of that is good before marriage. All right. I'm just saying that the way our bodies are made, that should be the natural progression. But the problem is these things that so often lead to accidental sex before you're married, Mm -hmm. I kind of 
wish that we talked about having accidental sex once you get married kind of thing. Like, don't you don't have to have sex the first night, right? We think if you do these things, you'll accidentally have sex. But then we say don't even bother with these things, just have sex when you're married, yes. right? Because all these things are seen as simply kind of cheaper versions of the real deal, which really just minimizes women's sexuality entirely. Mm-hmm. And so I did, I did a survey on Facebook and Twitter about this, and what I found was that about 45% of women who were virgins on their wedding night reported not being aroused the first time they had sex. Yeah, and that's a problem. Because once you've had sex, it's kind of hard to go backwards. Well, exactly. It is more difficult because you always feel like you're not doing the real thing. You feel like you're just waiting for the inevitable, which is he's going to put it in. Mm-hmm. You know, like I know that's a really crass way of saying it, but if you're not aroused when it happens, that's just kind of what it feels like. Right. And to add another level of complexity, most women think that what a guy is really interested in is just intercourse. And so if they want to do all that other stuff, they're being selfish. Exactly. Whereas I think if you actually asked a lot of men, what would you prefer? Having sex on your wedding night? Or having sex like a week or two into marriage, but like she really wants it. <laughs> you know, like I think that most men would be like no I want the I want her to want me I want her to want it I want this to be passionate I don't want it just to be obligation or duty sex mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's why when we created our honeymoon prep course which we put out last year and it's it's available it's awesome it's a video course that you can take with your fiance that helps you walk through some great conversations about sex and what to expect and especially how that honeymoon is going to go so that we do focus on arousal and not just intercourse yeah it can change the whole trajectory of your marriage Yeah, exactly. Because the point we want to make to couples is that it doesn't actually matter if you have sex on your wedding night or three days later or even three weeks later. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you both are aroused when it happens. Yes. And that is good for both of you. Yeah. But then there's all these other women who maybe they didn't wait for their wedding night, but they never really learned that arousal piece either. Yeah, exactly. Because women don't only have sex because they feel like they, their body wants it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, often you have sex because the guy wants it or you think that you need to give it to him to please him or you just really want to experience it for your own sake but not necessarily understanding the arousal piece. Yeah, exactly. There's lots of different reasons that are not malicious that mean that a woman can have sex before she's aroused even if she's not married. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, of course. There's the malicious ones as well. All the sexual assault survivors. So what it seems to me that we have is an epidemic of women who have never learned the arousal piece. And much of this is because of this gatekeeping role where you don't know how to let yourself relax and just experience sex. And then you get married and you reinforce that by jumping to intercourse too quickly. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because here's what the gatekeeping thing really does, is that when you are making out, you feel like I have to always be trying to judge what's going on and keep track of what's going on. And stop it from going further. And when, when you're married, even if you do want it to go further, because you've gotten so used to almost dissociating from your body, like not experiencing what's happening, but more standing outside of what's happening and watching what's happening, it's hard to then get in touch with what's happening. And that's why often our attempts to feel good and to reach orgasm fail. Um, and we, we've been talking about this a little bit when we when we reviewed some of the sex books, you and me, when we mm-hmm. looked at all of their instructions. And I think we have another one coming up. I don't know. We, we recorded it. I don't know when we're going to air it. Maybe sometime this summer about why some of the instructions don't always work. But here's the issue. If she has never felt aroused, 
Okay, so she doesn't really know what arousal means. And a lot of her commenters didn't. There was one woman who was saying that she had never really experienced arousal with her husband at all. But then one time they were making out and she got this feeling that was really similar to what she had had as a teenager reading Christian romance novels. I think she described it as like her clitoris. What was it? Got really, A heartbeat in her clitoris. A heartbeat in her clitoris that kind of spread outward yes. or something like that. And she realized, oh, that's what arousal is. And so she learned how to ride it and things got a lot better. But a lot of us have never actually experienced that, as she called it, heartbeat in your clitoris that gets really warm and then spreads outward. And so what we do instead is we read all of these instructions on what we're supposed to do to get us feeling good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but okay, here's the here's the ugly truth. And I know this is weird talking about this with my daughter here, but we're, we're all good with this. Okay. Yeah. But like, if you're totally not aroused, and then some guy tries to twirl your clitoris or flick your clitoris or whatever he's supposed to do. It's just going to be really annoying. It, it yeah, not feel good at all. No. Like if you're if you're not aroused and he goes for your erogenous zones right away, it's just really yucky. It just feels like nothing, right? The way I kind of see it is you can if an electrician were to do all of the wiring in the house properly and set everything up so that, you know, you can eventually turn on the light but you don't actually connect it to the fuse box. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You can flick that switch all you want. <laughs> and nothing's going to happen. no ding, ding, ding. Right? Yeah. So what we're saying is that the arousal piece is the power that goes through all the electrical lines. Right? Like, that's yeah. what allows... And I'm sorry if there's any actual electricians listening to this. I'm so sorry. But that's... <laughs> I, hope, I hope that that mentality can... That, I hope that mental picture can kind of at least make it... A little bit more makes sense. And there is a hilarious YouTube video that I have shared before on my blog by a woman named Amanda Gore about how arousal works for women. And I am going to put it in the podcast post that goes good. along with this podcast because it's seriously funny. Like, it is truly good. You really need to see it. Okay. But <laughs> but here's the thing, the way that the way women's bodies work are that you don't want to go for those erogenous zones before she's really turned on. And yet when we read a lot of these books, what we read is the way to get her turned on is by doing all of these things off into her erogenous zones. And we're missing that huge piece, which is arousal. Yes, if she is aroused, following a lot of these instructions might work really well. And that's mm -hmm. likely why these books do so well mm -hmm. for a lot of couples. Because they already got the arousal piece. Like, they know how to get her kind of turned on. They don't know how to get her all the rest of the way there. Because they probably just don't have the technique. Right. So if your issue is literally only one of technique, then... You're good. Yeah, lots of... Look up all the examples you want in these Christian books. Try them all. You yeah. Know, like... <laughs> and, of course, 31 Days to Great Sex will be coming out again in July. It's been off the market since January. Zondervan is republishing it. I made it a lot... Uh, I added a lot of extra features to it. It's seriously good. And it will help take couples through that journey to arousal if you've never quite figured it out yet. Yeah, exactly. Because if you haven't figured out the arousal piece yet, the ideas are just that. They're ideas. But they don't necessarily lead anywhere because, again, the power isn't actually flicked back on. Mm -hmm. But I, I think, too, when, when when she's struggling with arousal, like if she's, if she's had that gatekeeper role, what she needs to learn how to do is be present and relax. And those are two things that are both difficult to do if you've got a lot of like residual shame messages mm -hmm. or if you've repressed your sexuality a lot and many of us women have for really good reasons you know we grew up in the purity culture we feel like sex is for guys and not for women um like we're wrong if we want it 
And then there's even just the little things. Like, women are more likely to have just their bodies completely just change on them when they get pregnant or afterwards Mm -hmm. or in menopause or whatever it is. Men's bodies don't, like, change in the same way. Mm -hmm. They just kind of have more of a slow adjustment. Whereas for us, it's like, I mean, even just getting pregnant, for me, I know I was fine one day and then I was vomiting all day the next. Yeah. Right? For four months. Yeah. (laughs) I know. And for me, going through menopause now, I I know I had hot flashes for like eight months straight. And then they were gone for nine months. And I thought, yeah, yeah, I'm over them. And then lately, they've just come back again. So, you know, women's bodies really do change. Our hormones fluctuate a tremendous amount. And what made you aroused one day will not necessarily make you aroused the next, which is why we need to learn how to listen to our bodies, <laughs> yeah, you know, and how to adjust to a lot of these problems. And we can't do that just by knowing technique. You can only do that by understanding yourself. And it's hard to understand yourself if you do have these really weird messages about sex. And so, you know, we, we are totally engrossed in trying to defeat these messages. That's what the Great Sex Rescue is. And that's what we're doing 12 to 14 hours a day right now. So we don't have a lot of time to do a huge long podcast, but we thought it would be worth exploring that gatekeeper idea because it really did resonate with so many women. So, you know, just as a quick thought today in this podcast, if you're one of those women for whom arousal has always been difficult, maybe it's because you did adopt that gatekeeper role and you did feel like you had to be so hypervigilant that you've never learned to relax or listen to your body. And I just want to encourage you that you're not alone. So many women have, so many women feel like this. So many women feel like, just tell me what I'm supposed to do because if nothing is working. And you're not alone. It's not hopeless. You really can get there. But I think it starts by learning to relax, learning to get in touch with your body, and most of all, understanding that sex is something that God made for you too. It is not just for your husband and it is not something shameful and you are free to be passionate even if that feels really weird and really scary. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. That's all we have for this week. We are finishing up our manuscript as you listen to this and are submitting it tomorrow. So please pray for us as you do that. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and we'll see you next week. 